This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. I mean, stop singer. Toss on off the first in time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Welcome back, Seattle Mariners baseball podcast at Mariners Pod. Thanks for being here. It's the Mariners fall yesterday to the Toronto Blue Jays. The winning streak snapped. Mariners will try and get back to 500 tonight. We'll talk about the matchup coming up with the Blue Jays tonight. We'll look ahead at the entire weekend series. Still three games left in this four-game weekend series from Toronto. Also coming up, I haven't had a chance to get to this. Josh Kearns, uh, really f- good piece on the lost and found at Safeco Field. There's some surprising articles that have been lost at Safeco Field. So that comes up. Rick Riz will chat with Julio Cruz. It's always fun to hear from the cruiser. So that comes up in a few minutes. Let's get to the game, though, as the Mariners fall to the Blue Jays 7-2. to It was a great start for the M's. Nelson Cruz, a mammoth home run to start the ball game. Here's the pitch of the way. Swing and a drive. Straight away center field. Pilar to the one. He tracked to the wall. Looks up. Goodbye baseball. In and out of the second level above the batter's eye. Nelly Cruz, his eighth home run of the season. He loves hitting here at Rogers Center. A two-run home run, and the Mariners have a 2-0 lead. 2-0 lead at that point. Toronto would get one back in the bottom of the first inning. And then zeros on the board in the second, the third, and the fourth. The young was really hanging in. And then the fifth would end up being a problem as he was able to record the first two outs. So two down, but then a walk, a single, a walk. Justin Smoke with a single to drive in two runs. Pierce hits a home run. All of a sudden, it is a five spot in the fifth inning. Justin Smoke would add a home run later. And the Mariners would fall 7-2. to It was a big day for Justin Smoke, the former Mariner. Really did a number on the M's in this ball game. Batting in the middle of the order. Three for three with a walk. Drove in four. Scored a couple of runs. And the Mariners just not able to get much going against Marco Estrada, who ends up going six innings. Allows four hits, just two earned runs. And he fanned eight during the ball game. Mariners... Segura had a couple hits, Cruz a couple hits, that home run, but they just muster six hits in the ballgame. DeYoung ends up going five, seven hits, six runs, three earned, one strikeout, and gave up that home run on 88 pitches. M saw a couple of debuts. First for a Mariners debut, Zach Curtis entered. He ended up going an inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, and a strikeout. 
The Mariners also had a major league debut. Here's a 2-2. Swing and a miss for strike three. Gets him with a fastball. Gavilio picks up his first major league strikeout. It is against Ezekiel Carrera here inside Rogers Center. Sam Gavilio, his first major league strikeout. He goes two innings, allows two hits and one run. No walks and four strikeouts. The former Oregon State Beaver making his major league debut as uh, Mariners just continue to make moves day after day. Now, as far as the Angels, the Angels had used one more pitcher than the Mariners had this season going into yesterday. I think it was 21-20, to 20, so the Mariners have used two more. So I think they've, unless the Angels used a new pitcher yesterday as well, the Mariners, I think, now have... That going for him in terms of most pitchers used so far this season at 21 already, which is a ton, but I don't think very surprising given their DL situation. Here's what the skipper said after the ball game. The young was at least holding it together until two outs in the fifth, and when it fell apart, it fell apart in a hurry. Yeah, it did. I think, you know, it's a little bit of growing pains uh, tonight. Actually, yeah, I thought he threw the ball, you know, pretty well. I was in a little trouble in the first on some, you know, some softer hits, but... Uh, you know, I had two out, nobody on the fifth, one-two count, you know, the walk to Pilar, and, you know, it's, you know, a hard lesson to learn, but you can't ever put, let your guard down in the big leagues. And uh, not that he did, but he just didn't, you know, finish off the inning. And, you know, then they got something going against them, and then, you know, basically by smoke and, and, and the home run by Pierce. But, uh, you know, Estrada threw the ball well. Um, you know, Cruzy squared him up early. We didn't get much going after that. You know, he does what he does. He's, he's one of the better pitchers in the league and tough against us because he goes back and forth with that changeup and, you know, expands the zone up and down as much as anybody in the league does. So, uh, tough ball game tonight. Um, you know, we've been playing very well. Um, excited about where our offense is up at. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, he, he shut us down tonight. Is it difficult to come, though with you know you got Chase there you, you you see that one out you just need one more out and you can kind of get through and then piece it together a little bit you walk that line a little bit. yeah really you know he gets the first two guys out in the in the fifth and you know in the back of my mind he's still in a really good spot pitch count wise you know you're hoping he can get through that one you put him back out there for the sixth and and go from there because he was in a very manageable situation as far as pitch count was and, and whatnot and he looked like he was throwing better uh, he just you know got away from him and they put some good at bats together and. He's a young pitcher, and that, that happens sometimes. Especially. No, not able to go today. How does tomorrow look? I, I don't know at this point. Just day to day, where he's at with that, that quad strain. Hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he bounces back, but I, I don't know right now. Good though comes in. Yeah, uh, you know, good for him. You know, something you dream about your whole life, getting to the big leagues. He got there, um, and getting in a chance in a game tonight. I threw the, threw the ball really well. You know, kind of what we had been told he was. You know, sinks it down at the bottom of this zone, and and all four pitches and. Looked comfortable, you know, didn't look nervous or anything. It was a good spot to get him in and, you know, give us a couple innings. Same with Curtis. You got them both in, in a low leverage situation. Yeah. You yeah, you know, on. Curtis can bounce back. He'll be available tomorrow. Um, and he is more of a reliever. Gaviglio is more of a starter, um, a length guy. So uh, I thought they handled themselves fine. And, uh, you know, it was an opportunity to, to get them in there. Uh, Curtis has been in the big leagues before, but obviously first time with us. So, uh, again, you know, one of those ball games that kind of came right down to the fifth inning. Uh, couldn't get through it, you know, and then just happened some nights. So there it is. That's the skipper. We'll hear from the starter, DeYoung. Yeah, you know, I give a lot of credit to Tuffy for sticking with me, you know, throughout that whole game. Uh, I didn't have my best command tonight. You know, fastball down away was really cutting off the plate, and they weren't really committed out there, and that I kind of need them to be out there for my game plan. 
but you know we made some really good adjustments obviously to get us through you know innings you know two through four um, even the first two thirds of the fifth um, you know throwing a lot of breaking balls mixing it up you know really well um, but yeah the bat to Pilar just you know got it you know, got ahead you know one two and we kind of picked and picked and then yeah just you know didn't really go our way there so in the Pierce home run, one two count. Just trying to maybe sneak a fastball by him. Yeah, you know, we were. I was thinking, I, you know, I shook to, hey, you know, I think we can, you know, go fastball up. I think he's either going to pop it up or swing under it. You know, the guys on base, close ball game. I figured, you know, he was trying to lift the ball. I think if I, you know, I, I looked back at it, just you know, got on top of it a little bit too much, kind of missed, you know, probably by three inches, three inches higher. That's you know the pitch that we want to execute there. Um, you know, that's on me. I didn't I didn't hit the glove. The two walks, right, kicking yourself on as much as they did. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, my defense proved to me, you know, Danny was making great plays over there. Kyle snagged that one Bautista hit. You know, my defense was making plays for me. I, I really should have been pitching to contact. You know, I don't know. Like I said, you know, my direction was a little bit off. I'm guessing I'll look at the video for mechanical stuff. Uh, did a couple different things out there trying to compensate for it. Uh, all in all, really wasn't as crisp as I would have liked to have been. Um, we got through, you know, four and two-thirds or five. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, I got to I gotta tack down the way better. I have to execute better. Uh, you know, we were up a lot tonight. But, uh you know, that's, that's not where I can live. So there it is. Mariners lose game one of the series. Game two tonight, 4.07, first pitch from Toronto. And this is a pretty interesting matchup when you look at the pitching matchup for this one. As the Mariners will turn to Christian Bergman, 0-0 zero zero with a 2.45 ERA. He has started a handful of games in his major league career at the big league level for the Colorado Rockies. This will be his first start in a Mariners uniform. Last game he started was the 16th of April in 2016. He started against the Cubs and went five innings, allowing two runs. He started uh, four games in 2015 for Colorado and then in double-digit starts in 2014 for the Colorado Rockies. So has... Some starting experience, and he'll get the ball for the Mariners coming up tonight. Now, he has pitched uh, one game in a Mariners uniform so far this year, coming out of the bullpen in a game where the Mariners uh, ended up winning 4-3 to three on the 7th of May against Texas. He went three and two-thirds and really kept the Rangers off balance, allowing just one hit and one run, one walk, and a couple of strikeouts on 40 pitches. So we'll see how many pitches and how many innings that he can give the Mariners in this one. And it's the same kind of situation for Toronto in terms of exactly how many pitches and how many innings they're going to get from their starter. They're going to hand the ball to Joe Biagini, who has spent all year in the bullpen. In fact, he was a Rule 5 pick from the San Francisco Giants in 2015, spent last year in the bullpen, and pitched really well, 3.06 ERA in 60 games 67 innings pitched and fans 62 and has spent most of this season in the bullpen and having another nice year 278 ERA in 15 games 22 innings pitched 21 strikeouts it was thought when Osuna was down early that he'd get some opportunities to save uh, save some games did get 
one save in that role. But now he's transitioned to a starter. He has started one game so far, and he's going to get the start again tonight, and he's probably going to be around 70, 75 pitches on the pitch count. So we'll see how long that can take him into the start tonight. His lone start was May 7th against Tampa Bay, went four innings, two hits, no earned runs, no walks, and four strikeouts. Inning and two-thirds before that, two innings before that. So not really stretched out. 52 pitches has been his max, so we'll see him for 70 to 75 tonight. But he's been good, so this is interesting as the Mariners try and even up the series. They'll have to face Stroman on Saturday. That's not going to be easy. So getting the one tonight will be pretty big. And the Mariners TBA for Saturday. No one official there yet. On Sunday, you know it's going to be Miranda. He'll take the ball for the M's. Officially, it's TBA for Toronto on Sunday, but it's going to be Aaron Sanchez. He's lined up to take the start. He's been on the DL for a while. Saturday and Sunday, both 10.07 first pitches. So day game, day games in Toronto the rest of the way. All right, you're all set up for the rest of the series, Mariners and Blue Jays. Right now, we'll hand things over to Josh Kearns. From sunglasses to cell phones and everything in between, Edie Fitch has just about seen it all. At the end of every game, whatever got left behind gets collected and ends up in her hands. I mean, a very large plastic bin worth is probably the minimum per game. And if it's a much larger game that's much more well attended, uh, we're going to have maybe two or three of those plastic bins that come to us full. Most commonly, it's something easily replaceable, like a hat, a sweatshirt, or an umbrella. But it can also be something far more significant, like a wallet or a wedding band. Edie neatly organizes and catalogs everything left behind, tagging each item and recording it in a spreadsheet. And then comes the fun part, trying to reunite people with their stuff. The nice thing is, especially when those guests do get reunited, to be able to say there are still honest people that walk this earth. Because we get wallets turned in with quite a large number amount of cash in them, credit cards still intact, and when there is a driver's license, we do have the ability to contact that guest and say, hey, we've got your stuff here. She's only been on the job since the start of the season, but already Edie's had plenty of surprises. One thing I was most surprised with is we have a very large collection of knives. And we're talking everything from Swiss Army to big switchblades. They're forbidden at Safeco Field. If someone tries to get past the metal detector, security confiscates the knife but gives the customer a claim check to get it after the game. It's surprising how many knives I get left with. Per game, I'm at least 10 per game. Sometimes it's been more than 20. And it's like if they can't leave home without it, then how come they're leaving the stadium without it? But and very few of them actually come back and get them. But that's not the only head-scratcher. There's a much bigger one she pulls out of a bin, which should seemingly be a precious item that was just discarded and left behind. That's a wedding dress that we have that was turned in on opening day. No idea the story behind it, but boy, we've had fun making stories up, trying to figure out why in the world a wedding dress was here for in the first place, let alone left behind. And here we are, what is it, four or five weeks into the season, and... The owner has yet to come forward. Did the wedding fall through? The bride have a few too many? Edie sure would like to find out. And when she can't, whatever's still there after 30 days gets donated to a good cause. Cell phones get donated to, it's called 911 uh, phone bank. 
um, and it help it goes towards uh, women's shelters. The eyeglasses go to the Lions Club reading program, and the remaining clothes and such get donated to Children's Hospital. Thankfully, though, there are plenty of happy endings, perhaps none more gratifying for Edie than recently reuniting a teen with his wallet, tracking him all the way to Wenatchee. Well, he was only seventh grade, so there was no driver's license and no address, but there was the his school ID that had his school name on it. And so I researched that school, found the address, sent a letter to him, care of his school, and left it at that. Well, about three weeks later, his father showed up and he said his son was so excited and was excited to find that his wallet was intact. That young man had $26 in his wallet along with a couple different IDs and I think he had a gift card as well. And he got it all back. So if you forgot something at Safeco Field, give Edie a shout. There's a good shot. She's got it. For the Mariners Sunday Magazine, I'm Josh Kearns reporting. And here's Rick Riz with Julio Cruz. Chance to visit with former Mariners second baseman Julio Cruz. We're going to talk about playing second base. But Julio, before we talk about playing second base, you were outstanding over there for many years. Before the ball game last night, the ancient Mariner, Gaylord Perry, threw out the ceremonial first pitch as we celebrate our 40th anniversary season here in Seattle. You and Gaylord are attached at the hip because back in 1982 in May of 1982 Gaylord won his 300th game in a Mariners uniform Mariners Yankees and Willie Randolph hits a ground ball to you for the final out of the ball game a lot of crow hop steps you finally throw the ball to first base why did it take so long to throw that ball to first base to get Gaylord's final out well first of all Rick before the pitch I was praying to the good man upstairs please Lord don't let this ball hit to me because Obviously, the 300th victory was in the, was in the, everyone's minds, and I didn't want to boot it. And anytime you you played behind Gaylord, there was a chance, a good probable chance that you were going to boot the ball, not by uh, uh, default, but by some of the unnecessary <laughs> substance that went on the ball. What I did was, uh, Rick, I had to take a couple of extra steps so that I knew that I had the ball on the dry side before <laughs> I let the ball go. If I would have just thrown the ball as I caught it, it would have gone into, into the stand. I'll tell you what, he threw that super sinker. It's great to see Gaylord here at the ballpark last night. Let's talk about playing second base. You were so good over there. What made you such a good second baseman? Well, first of all, Rick, I had a God-given talent that I could go from left to right. I was blessed that I had a great coach, Bill Mazeroski, a name of the past, a Hall of Famer. He taught me just little things on how to turn the double play. And with that, I asked him, Bill, you, I want you to teach me how you turn the double play. I don't want you to teach me how the double play is turned. I want to, I want to learn how you turned it. I mirrored him. And I was able to stay a couple extra years in the big leagues because of him. I just had a talent that second base was made for me. What did he teach you about turning the double play? Because you turned it as well as anybody. He said, do not catch the ball, Cruiser. When the ball comes to you, just let the ball deflect off the glove and then to the base, to first base. Do not close the glove. Leave it open and let the ball just hit the palm of the glove 
and have your bare hand underneath so that it's ready to come to the bare hand and ready to throw. And you're saving two or three steps from the runner because if you catch the ball, if you close the glove, you have to open it, you have to dig in and get it and throw, and then that's an extra couple of steps for the runner. What was the most fun play for you to make over there at second base? The, the backhand play that uh, may he rest in peace, Dave Niehaus always gave me the my, oh my, what a play from the cruiser. And I enjoyed making the double, I enjoyed making the, the double play, jumping over the, the runners. Back then, Rick, the runner could come and get you as far as from here to eternity. You could be turning the double play from center field and the runner, and the runner could go out and get you. I enjoy turning the double play. I enjoyed that very much because I was taught by a Hall of Famer. I was given the okay from a Hall of Famer to go ahead and, 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 and perform and produce the major league level. Julio, what was the toughest play for a second baseman? The, the line drive hit right at you. Yeah, right, the one that's hit right at you because the bat, the bat and the ball are coming across the hitting zone at the same time. So to me, that ball always came knuckle. It was a knuckleball like coming off the bat. It was hit right at me. And, and back then, uh, they were using uh, black bats so that you couldn't see the ball. And then I couldn't see the ball off the black bats. I could see it off the white bats, which is different. And it's funny. It's the opposite. Well, I'll tell you what, Julio, you played second base throughout Mariners history in the, the late 70s and the early 80s, the trade to the Chicago White Sox in 1983. It was so much fun watching you play. And uh, again, you and Gaylord Perry uh, so close together because you got that final out, recorded the final out for him in his 300th career win. Julio, thanks a lot for joining us here on Rick's Tips. You're doing a great job in the Spanish radio network. And you're in the Spanish Hall of Fame. I'm in the Spanish Hall of Fame. Please get let everyone else know out there. Gaylord just signed the ball for me. And after he signed his name, he put HOF91 on it. So from now on, I'm going to sign SHOF, Spanish Hall of Fame. The Cruiser, Julio Cruz, thanks for being our guest. Thank you, Rick. On the way to Baki as Cruz goes, it's outside, throw through to second is not in time. He's tied the record. Julio Cruz has stolen 32 in a row. And it wasn't that bad a throw by Dempsey as Cruz went in head first. It may have hit Cruz or the bag and gone into center field. And Mr. Julio Cruz has tied the all-time American League record 32 consecutive steals and 28 straight this year. My oh my. See you later!